Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is Issues and Interviews. And now, here's Kieran Michael Lawler on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to Issues and Interviews. This is your host, Kieran Michael Lawler. Do me a solid. Make sure you're downloading and sharing this show and every show every week. Spread the word about Issues and Interviews with Kieran Michael Lawler. I'd really appreciate that. And, you know, What's important about this show and what I love about this show, this is the only political show around hosted by an independent conservative Republican who's been in the game, been an elected official, been in the Albany swamp, knows where the bodies are buried, knows where the bodies are buried in the Washington, D.C. swamp. And I'm a hardcore Republican. I'm a conservative, but I'm not part of the Republican regime. So I'm, I have no problem calling out Republicans and we're going to have to do a little bit on this show. And we're certainly going to call out some Democrats. And I have a great guest coming up. If you recall last week, we had the top Republican in the state, Ed Cox. Ed Cox, as you may know, good man, going to do good things again for the Republican Party. He is at the top of the Republican pyramid in New York. He actually married the president's daughter. He married in the White House many years ago, President Nixon's daughter. So that's the top of the Republican food chain. But I want to have somebody from the grassroots and get the grassroots perspective on the primary for the presidency. That's why I'm going to have my good friend Rocco Limitone. He's the original Trump supporter. He's a guy that sells American-made trucks for a living to hardworking Americans. He has the pulse of the MAGA world and the ultra-MAGA world. And we're going to pick his brain on, on where he thinks Trump stands and his legal problems and everything else. So stick around for that. Another thing. We're going to get to a survey that came out in the Wall Street Journal the other day. It says patriotism is on the decline, on the rapid decline here in the United States. I don't doubt that. And I'm going to tell you why that is. And, and maybe we can figure out a way to fix that because we need patriotism. I am a patriot first and foremost. And it saddens me to see patriotism decline. And I think we can turn it around. But first, we have to identify the problem. We're going to do that in this episode of Issues and Interviews. And a little bit closer to home. It's New York State Budget Week. For the past 10 years when I was in the assembly, I was on the floor voting on the budget, voting against every single budget bill that came before me for 10 years because they were terrible, because they were bloated, because the process was terrible, because they spent too much, because they taxed too much, because they had too many leftist policies in there. And I voted against every single bill. That's not true of all Republicans. A lot of Republicans defensively try to vote in favor of some of the more popular budget bills, but... Once I tell you how the budget works in New York State, the deeply flawed process, you're going to understand why I voted no and wish everyone voted no and we could stop and redraft these budgets and come up with a better process. You're also going to understand why New York is kind of, in a way, dying a little bit economically. So for years, they called the Albany budget process three men in the room, okay? The speaker, the majority leader of the Senate. And the governor went in the room and basically hammered out the budget, the big provisions of the budget. Okay, now it's two women and a man in the room, but it's the same crummy process. Speaker Carl Hasty is the man in the room. He's the Speaker of the Assembly. The Senate Majority Leader, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, is the one woman in the room. And the second woman in the room is, of course, Governor Kathy Hochul. And they're coming up with the budget. You will see Republicans in the Assembly and the Senate saying, I'm up in Albany. 
I'm working on a budget. We're hammering on a budget. I'm fighting for you. <laughs> Nonsense. That's not true. The Republicans are totally shut out of the process now. There are supermajorities in the Assembly of Democrats, supermajority in the Senate of Democrats, and the governor is a Democrat. So the Republicans are totally shut out of the process. So if you're a senator in Albany or your assemblyman is saying, I'm rolling up my sleeves to work on this budget. Nonsense. They're just sitting around up there waiting to have a budget put in front of them, having a staffer read it to them, read the highlights to them, and then debate it a little bit and vote on it sometime in the middle of the night, probably Friday, Saturday, or early Saturday morning. That's the real process. And some of them will be so brazen and be on the lookout for this. There'll be popular funding in the budget. I mean, there's popular things that get funded in New York State. And you'll see some of them you know, on their social media, in a newspaper, on TV saying, I delivered X amount of dollars for my district. I went up there and I fought and I got more money for education, more money for veterans. Nonsense. You didn't do anything. That's the budget that was put before you. You could either vote up or down on it. And that budget that had 10 or 12 good things in it, that budget bill that had 10 or 12 good things in it, had probably 7 million terrible anti-business, anti-taxpayer provisions that are going to further destroy New York. And that's that's really the state of the budget process. There's a lot of issues in there. They're going to try to tweak bail reform. Guess what? You can fix bail reform. You can give judges more discretion. I'm all for that. But as long as you have leftist district attorneys, which we have many, many of them, including the Manhattan DA, but he's not alone, and you have leftist judges, in New York City, the judges are appointed by the mayor. We have a left-wing mayor. You think he's appointing some, you know, Scalia type judges? You think he's you think he's going to appoint a Judge Janine type judge to adjudicate criminal cases? They're not to set bail. Those judges, no, they're leftists. They come out of the left wing Democrat machines in the city. So yes, fix bail, but that don't be fooled into thinking that that's going to solve all our crime problems. You need a total shift back to if you commit a crime, you get due process. If you're found guilty, you go to jail. And depending on the crime, you should go to jail for a long time and you shouldn't be paroled early. That's the way to fix crime. Go back to good old fashioned jurisprudence where the facts are argued and the jury decides. And when there's a serious crime, that person should be punished seriously. When there's violent crimes, when there's repeat offenders, there have to be serious, serious punishment. A, to remove offenders from society and B, to deter would-be offenders so that they don't commit a crime. And until we go back to that mindset, Crime is not going to change markedly here in New York State. Sad to stay. Sad to say. And as I say that, the Issues and Interviews hotline is lighting up. We are joined on the Issues and Interviews hotline by Rocco Limitone, the man that I call the original Trump supporter, because way back in 2015, the first person I knew who was enthusiastic and fired up about the Trump candidacy was Rocco Limitone, and he's been with Trump all the way, and I'm going to get his thoughts on where we stand now with the Trump re-election and 2024 and the primary and all that. Welcome back to the show, Rocco Limitone. Thank you, Kieran. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Let me ask you a question. Let's go back. Yes. Let's go back a little bit. Back to 2015, I was hesitant about Trump. But you were all in right from the beginning. That's why I gave you the name, the original Trump supporter. What was it back in 2015 that not only made you tr- support Trump, but you weren't just a supporter. Most Trump supporters aren't just supporters. They are zealous, excited, fired up supporters. What was it back then, almost eight years ago? Here's what I saw. I saw a man who had a vision that didn't change. He had the same vision in 2008, 2009, 2010. He kept repeating the same thing. And that's what I liked about him. He had a vision unlike every other politician out there. 
He had a vision that everyone who sat at the kitchen table or sat in the living room and talked about, that was their vision as well. He was us. Even though he's a billionaire, he was a regular man. And he talked about the regular things with a no-nonsense approach. And he has still continuously done that to this day. You know, that is one of the great ironies. Trump, the billionaire who lives this high-flying lifestyle for the last 40 years and has been a celebrity and wealthy and and he is the person more than anybody else in politics in my lifetime that connects with the common man. You know, let's go back a little bit to that 2015 time. Rocco used to appear on the Megyn Kelly show. If you recall, Rocco, you were on the Megyn Kelly show on a panel the day after the first debate where Trump criticized Megyn Kelly, he criticized Rosie O'Donnell, he criticized the other 12 people on the stage with him. And here we are again, we're almost at that same point in this election. We're in a a primary situation. You have Nikki Haley. You have an exciting young candidate. I think it's a little bit young and new, but Vivek Ramaswamy is a Republican who's making a lot of sense. But right now in March of 2023, you're still with Trump? First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. I am 100%. Matter of fact, I am 200% with Trump. And I'll tell you why. I am even more excited about Trump because of the fact that they are trying to take him away. They're trying to put him in jail. They are trying to disparage him. They are trying everything they can do to prevent him from running. You know why? Because the man is about no nonsense and he's about changing the country for the better. Listen, I'm ultra MAGA. You know what that means? That means I am 100% for making America great again. Not for the typical, usual nonsense that politicians do. If you look at Joe Biden, Everything he's done has been tried for the past 30, 40, 50 years. There is nothing new he is doing. Nothing at all. Trump came in and he took away all the playtime from the politicians, Republicans and Democrats. He took away a lot of that little extra side money they were making. He put hard, true facts in place or rules in place, hard and true rules in place to prevent a lot of this, would you call it grifting? I don't know. But a lot of the nonsense that was going on. And that's what Americans like. And I am more for him now because of the fact that they want to take him away and prevent him from becoming president. Now, there is a theory that the Democrats think Trump is the weaker of the two candidates, as between Trump and DeSantis. And they know that by going after Trump legally, which we'll get to in a little more detail in a few minutes, Rocco, but they know that by going after Trump, raiding his house at Mar-a-Lago, potentially prosecuting him here in New York, that they're going to drive Republicans right to Trump's side. Republicans will nominate him, but they believe they could beat Trump. They did beat Trump. You know, whatever you think about that election, Trump was not reelected back in 2020. And that that all of the attacks on Trump, which definitely make me want him more. I don't want the Democrat prosecutors and liberal activists to be able to tell me who can be the next president or who could be the candidate. But are they driving Trump into our arms because they think he's weaker than DeSantis? Your thoughts? I've heard of that theory before, but that's also the same theory that they were thinking about when he ran against Hillary Clinton. They said Hillary cannot lose. 
And they wanted Trump to be the candidate because they felt he was the weaker candidate also back then. And they're going to make the same mistake again because more people are now, people that don't like Trump are coming to his side. Kieran, let me tell you, I've had people come up to me. They know I'm all for Trump. They've seen my posts. They know I speak the truth about Trump. And they've said to me, you know what, Rock? I messed up. I should have voted for Trump, but I listened to the news. I listened to everything. My mistake. And I said, that's right. That's right. But we're going to make up for it on the next election. So I don't believe that is a valid theory, but I don't think they're doing that. If they are doing that, they're going to be woefully surprised. Let me tell you something, because Trump is going to take this. I honestly believe he did win the last election. Most votes of any sitting president in the history of our country. Joe Biden supposedly got the most votes of any president candidate in history, 81 million votes, more than the first black president in history. I don't know if I believe all that. And I tell you what, the rules that were put in place during COVID that were not approved by the legislatures of each state helped Joe Biden win that election. There's a lot of election interference. And it's coming out now. Every day we're finding out more. Every single day we're finding out more. And you know what the mantra I've been saying right now is? Trump was right. You can't name one thing Trump was wrong about. You could say, well, he's wrong that, that he's saying he won the election. But little by little, more and more evidence is coming out. So I don't know. Trump was right. Well, you could look at just the Hunter laptop story being spiked by the media and really suppressed in a way that we've never seen information suppressed before in this country. We now know that there was devastating information on that laptop. We know that elements of the swamp, elements of the deep state, the FBI was colluding with social media companies like Twitter at the time. And we also know from polling that it did change a lot of people's minds away from the fact that they would have not voted for Biden if they would have known about the laptop and all the details that were available had those details not been suppressed. But the question remains, you know, Trump's guy didn't win in Pennsylvania this year, Dr. Oz. His guy didn't win in Georgia, Herschel Walker. Why is Trump going to be able to win those states? He didn't win those states last time. He needs to win those states. What's going to be different this time? I think what's going to be different this time is people's eyes are now open. They're open more than they've ever been. Look at Pennsylvania. Just bring up a perfect example. Where is John Fetterman for a (laughs) psychiatric hold? It's usually 72 hours for a psychiatric hold. He said he was staying there for depression. He's still in the hospital. Supposedly he meets with his aide an hour a day to talk about things going on. Now, a bunch of school shootings, things going on in his state. Where is he? Excellent point. Excellent point. Blindsided. They believed what the press told them. People have to stop believing what the press is telling them. The press is not the Walter Concrete, the concrete, (laughs) Walter Concrete of yesterday. They are not. (laughs) The press is now, the press is now a political party, whether it's a political wing of the Republican Party or political wing of the Democrat Party. They are no longer unbiased commentators. They have an opinion, and they're putting that opinion out there. And now, think about, think about if everything about Watergate was suppressed. Would he have resigned? No, he would have had no reason to, right? So take that and look at what you just said about the Hunter Biden laptop. That was suppressed. That helped Biden hurt Trump, right? Because people thought Trump was lying. People thought it was more Russia collusion. So you can say the same thing about Nixon. If that was suppressed then Nixon wouldn't have resigned. Who knows? Maybe he would have come on to win another election 
and he would have resigned, uh, not resigned, he would have finished his terms in good graces. So it's the same thing, election interference. There was no election interference then, and it resulted in Nixon resigning. There was election interference now with the laptop, and what did it result in? It resulted in Trump getting less votes, but still 75 million votes. There's still 75 million people out there that are raising their hand for Trump. I don't know if you noticed the rally in Texas. There were tens of thousands of people there cheering him on. Joe Biden is at 38% approval rating right now. Yet you see some people on the news, some commentators, talking about how great he's doing. So what are they doing? Pulling the wool over your eyes, right? People yeah, have very true. Up. People have to wake up. So here's my concern with Trump, Rocco. Maybe you can address this. And this is why I'm, I'm open to Ron DeSantis. I like everything Ron DeSantis has done. I love his background. I know that if he were to be the candidate, they would do their best to drag him down. But I think Ron DeSantis, although not as experienced as Trump, no one could be as experienced as Trump. He's already been the president for four years. But DeSantis is more of a clean slate. And the biggest thing is he's more disciplined. It is Trump's lack of discipline that concerns me about his ability to win the general election. Perfect example this week, the tide is turning against the DA in Manhattan, and it looks like he might not be able to get an indictment. It looks like a trumped up charge and things are going in Trump's favor. And then he tweets a picture of him looking like he's going to hit Bragg in the head with a baseball bat that talks about the potential for death and destruction. And he steps on a what would have been a good week for him, public relations wise, and kind of feeds into all the criticism of Trump. That's the kind of stuff that concerns me. That's the kind of stuff that makes me worried. Maybe he can't win a general election and we really need to win this general election. You know, every presidential election, we feel like this is the most important election of our lifetime. This is the most important election ever. I think this one is. There might be no turning back after 2024 if we have Joe Biden again, um, as bad as it's been the last two years. So your thoughts on Trump's lack of discipline or if you disagree with that? Well, his lack of discipline is always a concern. That was a concern in 2016, but that's what propelled him to the presidency. Now, two things. Number one, in regards to Ron DeSantis, I think he's great also. I think he's a great governor. But like Bill Mayer said, voting for Ron DeSantis is like going to see a tribute band. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. <laughs> it's like going to see the Kiss tribute band and not Kiss. And it's 100% right. <laughs> Donald Trump, like you just said, has done it before. So he already has the tools. He already has the know-how. He already knows what to do. Yes, would we like President Trump to tone it down a little? Of course we would, but that's not him. What I tell people all the time, I say, listen, he's a guy from Queens, a New Yorker. It's a whole different breed. They say what they want. I lived in the Bronx for 25 years. I understand this. They say what they want to say, when they want to say it. If you get in their face, they're going to get back in your face. In regards to the tweet with the baseball bat, I actually listened to President Trump last night on Hannity, and he responded to that comment with Hannity. He reposted an article. That picture was with the article, so he actually didn't post that picture independently. He reposted an article. So that was his explanation of that. Whether it's real or not, I don't know. But I don't think 
the lack of discipline, or as you say, the lack of discipline. I'm not sure if it's really a lack of discipline. I think it's just more, this is the way he goes about it. When you get in his face, he's going to get back in your face. Is that right? I don't know. It worked for him before. Can it work for him again, I think is a real question you're asking. Can that type of attitude propel him back to the presidency? Well, 75 million votes from the last one says yes. Great point. And as we wrap up here, Rocco, do you think DeSantis will get in? Because my view has been Trump, even though a lot of Republicans like me don't like him hammering DeSantis, because I think DeSantis is a good guy and would be a good vice president, a good, he's a good governor, he'd be a good president at some point, and don't like him hammering DeSantis, but is the strategy hammer DeSantis so he doesn't get in the race, so Trump walks away with the nomination and then he can pivot back to a more calm, more Republican, unified general election? Your thoughts on whether DeSantis gets in and if Trump's attacks on DeSantis are to keep him out. I agree with you. I think his attacks on DeSantis are to discourage DeSantis. I do believe in Ronald Reagan's 11th Amendment, where Republicans shouldn't criticize another Republican. I do wish Trump would adhere to that. Again, going back, Trump is taking the offensive against Ron DeSantis. Again, Ron DeSantis could be very, very good. He could be a good president. It's not his time. Right now, we are entering a phase where it's very likely we are going to see either Cold War or World War III. On the world stage right now, you have Russia, China, and Iran forming an alliance against the United States. You have the world being carved up into little pockets of offense against the United States. The United States has been so minimized under Joe Biden. They realize it's no longer walk tall and carry a big stick. Right now, it's walk with a horrible gait and eat ice cream. <laughs> That's what people are seeing right now. And no one fears us anymore. So who do we need to come in and clean up that mess? The only one that has done it before, Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis, his time will come. Will he get in the race? I don't know. It seems like, based on everything he's saying, it seems like he will enter the race. And I hope he doesn't, because ideally, I would love to see him and Trump talking and have Ron DeSantis come on as the vice president. Trump does four years. Ron DeSantis gets in for eight. You got a beautiful country once more, clean, running efficiently, making money with peace in the world. Remember, Donald Trump, first president, no wars, four years of peace, the Abraham Accords. This man did things that the press isn't even talking about, but we know, we know, we need to get our word out. We need to let more people realize what Trump has done for us. You know, we have a perfect contrast. We had Trump for four years. There was a lot of drama. But let me tell you something. If Ron DeSantis was the nominee, you're going to have the same drama. They're going to go after him the same way. And now you have President Biden, so-called President Biden. Look at what's going on in the world. You can see the difference between the two people. Now, if you want to vote with party, if you're a Democrat, you want to vote with party, you want to vote for Biden or one of the Democrat candidates, it's on you then. But if you want to vote for the country and you want to vote for what's right and you want to vote for your children, your grandchildren, and what's going on now in the world, you're going to vote for Trump. All right. Rocco Limitone, the original Trump supporter. Great to get the grassroots view of the Trump base from you, Rocco. We'll have you back again and update us on what's going on in Trump world among the grassroots Trump supporters. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Karen, and you enjoy your day. You too. Take care. 
All right. As I teased at the beginning of the show, Wall Street Journal NORC survey. I don't know what NORC is, but a Wall Street Journal NORC survey came out this week. It found that 38% of Americans say patriotism is very important to them. That's down 70% from 1998. Down 70%. Now I'm 47. So 1998 doesn't seem that long ago. I was in my early 20s. I was really just starting my career. I was actually a high school social studies teacher at that time. First two years out of college, I taught social studies, including American history and government at Our Lady of Lords in Poughkeepsie. Very relevant to this conversation. Why has patriotism declined? Why has the importance of patriotism declined? And the numbers are worse under younger people. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons, but I think chief among them is education, is the way we are taught about American history in public schools, in private schools, in elementary education, in high school education, in certainly in college and graduate school, forget about it. The higher up you go in the education world, the farther left things go. And it boils down to this, to the eyes of the left, through the eyes of those on the left, everything wrong in the world is America's fault. Let's take World War II. Let's take World War II as an example. Probably our finest hour as a nation, okay? And we've had many fine hours. I mean, the American Revolution, we ended slavery. We saved Europe in World War I. We saved the world in World War II. We fought the Cold War and ended a brutal Soviet regime, okay? So we've had many shining moments, but I think you can say World War II, one of the great moments in American history, one of the great contributions of Americans to the world, to peace, to prosperity, to stability. But somehow, when American children are taught about World War II, the focus is not on that, which I just said. It's not on the Normandy invasion. It's not on Iwo Jima. It's not on liberating the death camps of the Nazi regime. It's not. The focus is always on the imperfections. Yes, human beings are imperfect. The United States is a nation of human beings. Therefore, there are imperfections. Mistakes are made. But you'll get in public schools and in schools generally, you'll get a little bit about, oh, yeah, we won World War II, greatest generation, a little bit of cheerleading there. But, you know, you get a lot of focus. You get a lot of focus on some of the negatives. You'll get hyper-focus, distorted amount of focus, well, the United States was isolationist. Therefore, it's America's fault that Hitler got so strong and started invading his neighbors and the Holocaust happened in the first place. You will get a lot of the United States shouldn't have been so reluctant to take in Jewish people from Europe who fleeing the Holocaust. Okay. I mean, we, we could do things better. Of course. Very difficult time. Hard for us to put ourselves in the shoes of the people who were in charge of this country in the 30s and early 40s. By the way, it was Franklin D. Roosevelt, overwhelmingly a Democrat government at that time for a very long time, probably the most powerful president we ever had because he accumulated so much power over three terms by the time that World War II started. But you'll see that. You'll see, well, the United States military was segregated during World War II. True, true. Segregation, wrong. Segregation, terrible. Black soldiers and sailors were, for the most part, especially early on in the war, in you know backup roles in kitchens and in non-combatant roles. That's true. Okay, there was segregation at that time. It ended soon after, in part because of World War II and Harry Truman, and we did the right thing. We corrected our errors as we always do. But there's hyper focus on those things in a way that distorts what the United States really did for the world at that time. And the 400,000 Americans who gave their lives, the 16 million Americans who served, that's all kind of obscured because there's a couple of bad things that we can talk about. Also, 
the Imperial Japanese were one of the most brutal, Hitler, terrible, evil, and close second, Imperial Japan at that time, incredibly evil. Read the book, The Rape of Nanking, the atrocities committed by Imperial Japan on prisoners of war, on civilians, on women, tens of thousands of women raped by Japanese soldiers at the time. And you won't ever hear that. You know what you'll hear? You'll hear Japanese internment in the United States, okay, FDR interned the Japanese. That was wrong to intern American citizens. At the time, they thought it was necessary to win the war, put it in perspective. But you have to put it in the perspective of that brutal regime had to be stopped. Maybe that tactic was extreme, internment was extreme and wrong, ultimately was ruled unconstitutional. And to the extent possible, those who were interned were given some kind of compensation, probably not enough for having their liberties taken away, certainly not enough for having taken their liberties away. But again, the United States tries to correct our wrongs in general. But you'll see hyper-focus on that. You'll also see hyper-focus on the dropping of the atomic bombs. It was too much. It was brutal. It was racist. All these terrible things. We had to end the war. We had to win the war for the future generations, the generations alive today, all the prosperity that that we enjoy, that our parents' generations enjoyed, would not have been possible because had we not dropped the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the soldiers who had been fighting in Europe that survived Europe were getting on boats and they were going to the Pacific and they were going to invade mainland Japan and it was going to be a horrific bloodbath like the world has never seen. The atomic bombs were dropped and saved American lives, ended the war. Japan has been an ally pretty much ever since. And we don't get that perspective. We get America was racist and dropped atomic bombs on the Japanese. So when you see a survey that says, oh, patriotism is down. Well, you have two generations of teachers who have been taught that at this point, probably going back to the 70s and 80s. They learned America bad as the takeaway for most of the lessons. And they're just teaching what they've been taught. And now we're two and a half generations into kids being taught that. And yeah, patriotism is declining. I think it's terrible. We need to teach the truth. If you know American history, if you know the heroes of America, going back to 1776, straight through the present, if you know their stories, if you know their sacrifices, if you learn about that, you cannot help but love America. You cannot help but be a patriot. That's what we have to do. We have to start teaching those things. And uh, we can fight in the public school boards and try to get more of that teaching in there. We just have to do it on our own. I'm done with the government schools in terms of trying to trying to fix them. Almost impossible. If you get a little bit of incremental change, it's not going to be enough. You have to teach your kids the greatness of America. Yeah, you can teach the flaws, but teach it in a proper perspective. Teach it in the perspective of we did a lot of great things and we made mistakes. Let's learn from the mistakes. Let's correct the mistakes. We have been a great country for almost 250 years. I'm not sure we're going to continue to be a great country if we keep teaching our kids to hate their country. And that was borne out by this poll. So let's turn it around. We're going to keep teaching the greatness of America, telling the truth about America on this show every week. So we have to come to an end here. All good things must come to an end. But be back next week on Issues and Interviews with Karen Michael Lawler. We'll cover the big issues and we'll have a great and interesting guest. Spread the word about Issues and Interviews. Thanks so much for listening.